Thanks to Wander Beauty for supporting Another Mother Runner. Wander Beauty is a new line of easy-to-use, multitasking products that help you make the most of your beauty routine, no matter how little time you have. Get 20% off your purchase at wanderbeauty.com AMR. Hey, this is Sarah Bowen Shea. And hey, it's Dimity McDowell here for a live episode of AMR Answers coming to you from, from an Airbnb in Denver, Colorado. It's a converted garage. So we've got a lo- lovely brick decor. Uh-huh. Exposed brick. And uh, yeah, we just decided we were together. So it'd be a great opportunity to answer the questions that are on people's minds. So, but we'll give you a little time to warm up. Think of some questions. It can be fitness running related. It can be parenting related. It can just be... You know, how it is we look so marvelous day after day. You know, whatever it is on your mind. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good guffaw right there. Um, you can tell me if you think I need to go back to coloring my hair. I've been going back and forth. Now you can see it live. Uh, I used to highlight it uh-huh. quite regularly, and I have not in a while. And all I see is gray. Um, no, you don't no. see it. I know that's, no one says they see it except for me. I guess we're our own worst critic, huh? Yeah, I mean, I t- like when I look at my, I'm like, oh my gosh, right here, right here, right here, right here. And I don't know. So, um, it's so funny you say that though, cause my mom, my 92 year old mother lives, moved into her apartment last October in the, um, you know, senior facility. I don't know exactly. I need to find the good umbrella term, but assisted living. Uh, yeah. So she, but see, it's not cause she's independent living in her own little apartment and mm. then it's levels. And so, but, oh my gosh, she says like 50 times. It's just a sea of white hair here. And I'm like, yeah, mom, if you didn't color your hair, you'd have white hair too. Oh, what, what color does she color it? Brown. You've seen, oh. I mean, you some, you some. I guess I've seen pictures of, I just never really, I have a hard time, uh, I mean, I know Trump colors his hair, but I have a hard time noticing what people, you know, it's not like I like would look at your mom and be like, oh, she has brown hair and she's a senior citizen. She must color her hair. Oh, so she's 92. I mean, that would be, the, I'm not sure any, I, like, do we think there's any 92-year-old out there who has their the hair color that they had as a young person? No, 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 no. But yeah. it's just that I just wouldn't think, like, oh, you know, here's oh. almost a, centu- how do you say it, centurion? Centurion. Centurion. <laughs> um, with, with dark hair, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, because, I mean, if you never stop coloring your hair, suddenly you are a 92-year-old with brown hair. Yes, exactly. So, you know, so maybe when, I don't. When do, you, when do you make that shift? Yes, exactly. Does she get a bottle, or does she go to a... Salon. She goes to a salon, yeah, and so that's Adorable. that's Katie, our director of marketing. That's one of the voices you hear, and you might also hear Maggie. She is the one behind the camera. Hey guys, yeah. So you all know Maggie Palmer. She's one of the occasional co-hosts from the regular Another Mother Runner podcast. So Dim, I went swimming today here in the Mile High City. Yes. How did that go? With no oxygen, more it, chlorine. Uh, I did not more chlorine. You think? Oh, I would just say chlorine and no oxygen. Like yeah. that's a that's a tough yeah. combination. You know, I actually felt like there was a current going one way. Huh. I I mean, obviously there wasn't, but Are I felt... Were you in the lazy river? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to swim in that side of the pool. Um, it just felt so... I don't know. I just It almost felt like swimming downhill, which is the feeling you're supposed to go for. But it really felt like... I don't know. Just well, going back, was it rough? No, there wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't like, yeah, going... Uh, trying to get out past the surf and then coming back in. But, uh, oh, so I just love swimming. And so I got to swim last week. I was in... Berkeley for our, our the live recording at the Goo headquarters. So I got to swim in Berkeley, California last week, and now Denver this week. Was there anybody swimming with you? Were there any other people? I in had the pool? my own lane. There were other people in the pool, but it was. Uh-huh. I, mean, I find uh, Denver pools very uncrowded. <laughs> As a rule, yes, I yes. do. Yeah, that time you took me to that the last place when the we rec swam, center, yeah, rec center. I oh, love nothing better than having my own lane in a pool. It's nice. It's mm-hmm. nice. You get some good space. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So how often are you swimming these days? Um, well, I'm aiming for twice a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I've done that, um, I think two weeks in a row. <laughs> so that's good. Establishing um, a norm. Yes. Well, yes. And I, a lot of what I was thinking about, you know, because, so this weekend was really busy for me. Um, or I should say we call it team Davis, my family. Um, uh, my daughter was in a big volleyball tournament here in Colorado. Um, it's weird. Am I looking at the microphone? Am I looking at you? Am I looking at you? <laughs> Anyway, um, Colorado Crossroads, if you're a volleyball parent, that was here this weekend. So that was at the convention center. Ben, my budding, budding thespian, um, mm-hmm. was in this play that he's been working for for about three months. And, um, and then I, we had some relatives in town to oh, see, right. see all the action. Yeah. Yep. 
And so this, on Saturday morning, I, the, the master swimming team goes from 7.30 to 9. Mm. And I could have easily skipped it because of everything. And I was like, no, I'm just going to go and mm-hmm. I'll get out after an hour, you know? Because you do have free will. Yes, I do have free will. Yeah. And I don't have to do every last, you know, set that she puts up. So, so that was good. So because consistency, uh-huh. right, is important. And I said, if I don't go th- today, then I'm not going to go twice this week. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I say that because I was on a master's team once. And when you're in that setting, when you have a coach telling you what to do right there in your face, you do get into this, oh, I have to be here. It's like being back in high school or something. And I remember I went to practice one time when I had a fever because, you know, I specialize in having fevers. And I was just, I was practically like seeing stars. I was just, just kind of out of it. And finally, I'm like, I have free will. I can get out of this pool. And, and I did. And I'm not going to say anything. Right. It's going to be okay. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the same thing when you go to, you know, a strength class, a bar class, a plies class. You're paying for it. You can you leave. Can you can always leave. You know, you suddenly feel nauseous or your innards start to go sideways. You know, you can be like, okay, I'm done. You know, yeah. or like, oh my gosh, I forgot to have that call. I need to get ready for it. I'm out of here. Yeah. No, so. I hear you. Yeah. No, it's definitely, it, this is, this is master's team is way too formal of a term. It's more like a master's practice. Like uh, the coach Melanie's like, well, so there's the state swim meet. If you guys want to sign up, you need to do it by next week or whatever. And everyone kind of laughed. Like there's no competition. There's no competition no during the practice, uh-huh. no competition out of the water really, or, uh-huh. or, you know, a different meet. So, uh-huh. um, yeah. So we're looking for your questions just we to be lots. sure. Oh, we do. Oh, we do. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I was, I was like, like <laughs> wrap it up. <laughs> Um, okay. You're, you're making all these faces. Yeah, we're like, we want to hear about it, but there's a lot of good questions. You don't want to hear that. about my lame master's practice? Okay, okay. Okay, okay so here's the first one. Brittany Barber. Um, I would love advice on picking a race pace for a hilly marathon. Running Big Sur in April. Oh, jeez. And don't want to get out, go out too fast, but also want to get to the finish line at a reasonable time. Been training on hills in Seattle, but not to that extent. I'm a numbers girl. Well, Brittany, I'd have to say that it would be helpful to know what your average pace is, what your average race pace and what your training pace is. And I'm not expecting you to come through with that, but I do have to say that Seattle is a hilly city. We have been there several times on business. I've been there, um, you know, for pleasure myself and it's hilly. So that's good training, but goodness gracious, Big Sur is a hilly race. That two mile one up to hurricane point from mile nine to 11. It's beautiful. It's a fabulous feeling, but it is unre- it is an unrelenting two-mile climb. And then the second half of that race is also very hilly. So I know that I went into that race that, remember, we talked after you, we talked on the phone after yes, that race. Yes, And that I went in there really well-trained to break four hours. And it wasn't until I got in the elevator with um, some people at the, you know, kind of host hotel, it was before the race, and this guy had done... Big Sur a bunch of times, and he said, oh, well, you know, to make sure that you add 10 minutes to your goal finish time, because that's, you know, what you, what you could normally do in a race, add 10 minutes to your finish time. And I'm like, what, what? <laughs> no one told me that. So that's the Big Sur equation? It's adding 10 minutes? Yeah. Brittany came through. Her average race pace is 9.30, average pace is 10. For yeah, training? I would say yeah. almost anticipate, because I would say then aim to settle into about it be a 945 average about a 945 in the race because yeah I mean I finished in 401 and it's the race I'm most the finish I'm one one of the races I'm most proud of and so I probably was trained for a 351 or a 350 so I think that guy was spot on with his math yeah one of the things to think about when um Brittany for for Big Sur for anybody is you're not going to make up you're not going to you can't um how can I say this in a way that makes sense Hills, you've got to be super efficient on them and you have to be super smart about them, right? Because it's not like you can speed up a hill and make up time, right? And there's no there's no winning for getting to the top of the hill first, right? Especially for something like a two-mile climb. And there was a, uh, and I can't think of the coach's name right now. He wrote a book that we talked about a little bit in the heart rate program. Um, but one of the ways that he described running a hill was that you have to think about that hill, pretend like that hill that you're on goes all the way to the finish line. Okay, so whatever grade it is, that's what you need to think about. So if, it, if there's this two-mile hill at mile what? Nine. Nine. That, that hill is going from mile nine to mile 26.2. You give that an effort as if it were a 20, what, 
17 mile hill almost, right? Because so yes, yeah, so, so so that you I'm gonna have you stop smacking your hands. Put the I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> oh, um, so, but yeah, so because that um, because that will give you the correct effort, right? Because you again, like you can really thrash yourself on the hills, mm-hmm. or you can be smart and run them well, and then take advantage of the downhill. I mean, one of the things that Kristen Armstrong used to talk about was getting up and over the hill. So giving yourself ten strong steps once you get over the hill. To come on down the other side, give yourself some momentum and enjoy the downhill. Um, so that's one thing to think about. But definitely, I love that analogy because it's, it's kind of like you're a long haul trucker. You're like, how am I going to get up this hill as kind of as efficiently as possible? And a lot of it is a shifting down gear and just staying steady going up it. It's so good that we have this live because now I can see all the hand motions <laughs> and it's awesome. You have a future. Yeah. <laughs> Catherine Adamson says, hi, ladies. I'm trying to incorporate my kids four and seven into my cross training days. How do you feel about trampoline jumping for 30 minutes or so? Or any other tips for cross training with kiddos? A depends. A depends. Not not it depends, but a depends. depends. Yes, yeah. Um, that would be. I'm being serious. That'd be really hard on your pelvic floor to jump for on a trampoline for 30 minutes. And I have. uh, I I like to think I have good bladder control. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, if that's something that you can do, if they have mini trampolines, that mini trampolines, yeah, very different than a big backyard trampoline. You could do that, or you can jump on the real trampoline if that works for you and your bladder. Um. The other thing that I would do is I would set up like an obstacle course oh, around your house, you know? So like if you do have a mini trampoline, you know, crank the music first of all and, you know, whatever they like. And, you know, so this is make up eight stations, mini trampoline, push-ups, squats, um, something fun like a hula hoop, jump rope, you know, just stuff like that. And um, maybe go through it twice if you have like eight stations and you do it twice through that 16 minutes and then you dance for the last 10 or something. Run around your house Uh or something. As a kid, I used to love to run around the circumference of the outside of the house. That was my big thing at my parents' house. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, just stuff like that, 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 that they like to do, um, and make it fun. Right. And so then, and so like, you know, don't critique their form obviously at seven and three, um, you know, and don't, you know, say you've got to keep going, but just like that, that's your station. Do what you want at that station. Or maybe you have a couple free stations and they can do whatever they want. Oh, go sticking. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that a lot of moms do is, um, you know, take their kids out on their bikes and go for a run walk. And that's another option as well. If that's for your children, if that's, you know, if that's an option for your kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sarah Seberg is coming back from injury, um, an inflamed heel spur and back up to running 30 minutes. Prior to this, she was consistently running 20 to 25 miles per week. This is way back in, um, before Thanksgiving. I'm looking to set a race goal, probably a half. How far out would you set that realistic still to aim for a full in December? So, yeah. So just to be clear, so she's coming back to running from a heel spur. She wants to um, set a race goal and maybe run a marathon in December. Can I interrupt for a second? That siren you hear, if you're listening in your car, it's here in Denver. It's not behind you. Um, so a couple things, I mean, I would definitely, um, see where you are. I would try to build up that 30 minutes, you know, and I would try to build up to an hour running, um, you know, probably I would say two to three hours, uh, you know, um, hours a week, Mm -hmm. you know, along with some shorter runs in there and see how that feels. I mean, the biggest thing is we don't want you to get injured again. Right. So I would kind of just take it day by day, you know, and so you definitely sign up. You could sign up for a half marathon that maybe has a 10K distance in it if you needed to drop back. That's a good suggestion. And I would maybe not sign up for the marathon until you know that everything is good. I just, I don't I know. Just, I just think sometimes, you know, there's a there's a lot of um, a lot of uh, rationale and, and, and justification when you lay down money, right, for a race. And yeah. you say, okay, now I'm going to train for it. But it's a different paradigm when you're injured. I, I definitely think that, that not only would – if Sarah were to sign up, she might feel obligated because she doesn't want to lose out on that money. Mm-hmm. But also then I feel she would be setting her expectations for herself at a certain point. And she, her if she couldn't make it to that marathon, her disappointment might be greater having signed up than if she hadn't signed up. There would yeah. be something about like, it would feel like a not, you know, DNS. It did not start versus right. just like, Oh, okay. I wasn't, that wasn't in the cards for this year. I'll choose a May marathon, something like that beauty routine? Some mornings I can't even squeeze in a shower. So spoiler alert, a 20 step full face of makeup just isn't going to happen. Makeup should give you maximum impact with minimum effort. 
So let me steer you to a beauty brand that finally gets it, Wander Beauty. Wander Beauty is a line of multitasking beauty essentials that are easy to use and travel friendly. So you can get ready in five minutes and stay gorgeous on the go. The brand was founded by a working mom of two and a supermodel, two women who are always on the move and know how to make the most of their precious time. Wander Beauty streamlines your beauty routine with fewer products that work better. They have these fabulous, easy to use, multitasking beauty products. I have a few stashed in my purse so I can get gussied up in a bathroom before a podcast recording party or in the car as I head into parent-teacher conferences. I especially love the on-the-glow blush and illuminator. This two-for-one gives color and highlights, helping me look as upbeat and refreshed as running makes me feel. It's time to make over your beauty routine with Wander Beauty. Get 20% off your purchase at wanderbeauty.com AMR. That's wanderbeauty.com AMR for 20% off. wanderbeauty.com AMR. Um, Linda, Dimity asks if, she, if she's going to see you in Boston with your hubby. Oh, oh, am I going to? Um, no, you're going to see my hubby, maybe. <laughs> Look for a tall guy losing his hair, wears glasses. Um, no, unfortunately, I can't make it to Boston. April um, is a lot like this past weekend that we just had. And um, I've got uh, two weekends away with um, different sports events for the kids and um, need to help my mom a little bit with the new place in Arizona. So um, unfortunately, I'm not going to see Grant run in Boston, um, which is actually in it. So I'll say that. And then I'll also say that he um, is looking to run strong in Boston, which means he goes into his zone which means not super fun as for us as a couple, you know? Sure. Um, so not this year, maybe another year. Yeah. Also, also it allows him to get in that zone and not feel that he's cutting you out in some way. Yes, you know? exactly. So that he can do what, you know, he stated his goal and he is, by you not being there, allows him to really be fully present for that goal. Yes, yes. Definitely. But he's, he's looking to run strong and he just, I just um, saw him after running 18 miles just a couple hours, like an hour ago. He ran really well, so I'm excited for him. If and, the weather cooperates. And right. we are talking about, we were brainstorming some Boston Marathon uh, podcasts, and the, you're going to see if Grant will join he, us. He, he will. I asked oh, him. Oh, you he asked said, him. He said yes. So, look yes. At so the husband will recap the, the Boston Marathon on the AMR podcast uh, the week after Boston, right? Nice. Yes. And we're going to have a, a few mother runners uh, as well, chime in as well. And so that will be, that'll be very fun. It'll be very We've fun. We've never had a, people have asked us to have um, a spouse on. I've had John, my son, on. But, uh, <laughs> so now you'll have Grant, your husband, on. That's fabulous. Perfect. Linda asks, during her taper, should she also cut down on floor exercises? Um, it depends upon what kind of floor exercises that she's doing. You know, if there's stuff that, um, you know, helps with, like, alignment of your spine or if you're doing um, stretching or stuff that's not, like, super intense um, and if it makes you feel good, I would say keep doing them. Um you know, don't, you don't, during the tape, you don't want to do heavy lifting. You don't want to do, um, glute bridges till the cows come home, glute bridges till the cows come home. Um, you don't want to do one legged squats, that kind of thing. So in most of the train, like of other programs, we have the, the strength training circuits taper off in the last two weeks, but there's nothing wrong with, um, you know, warming up with a couple of glute bridges, doing your clamshells, doing any stretching stuff that, that feels good and makes you feel super aligned and strong. Mm-hmm. It can also probably help keep the taper crazies that some people get. So at least they're feeling like, they're doing getting, something. Getting something, something done. Yeah. 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 Sherry asks, by the end of her long runs, over 10 miles, she feels very stiff in her lower back and up into her shoulders. Is she running wrong? Is there something she should be strengthening or stretching out? Well, my first thought is really work that core so that because, you know, obviously your core wraps all around your entire body mm-hmm. so that that lower back, because I don't, think she should be thinking about changing her stride or anything like that. I mean, if she's been fairly injury free for a while, I just think that's not, I, I don't, I'm not a believer in changing your stride unless there's something really, really hinky about it. So hinky, is that a, it's a real term. It's a technical term. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, as a person who has suffered off and on from low back injury, I would say, and pain, I would say cozy on up to that foam roller. That feels really good for me first thing in the morning. And really working through, you know, kind of the hips and the, all the way up the chain of the back. Yeah, I agree with that. And I also think, as you said, it goes up her shoulders and stuff. I think she needs to definitely think about relaxing on that second half of the run. You know, there's a lot of, um, like, you pretend like you're holding, like, a Pringles chip or a butterfly in each hand. 
right? So that you're not going to crush it. We're not white knuckling things. Make sure your shoulders are not up by your ears, but they're back and down. Um, one of the things you, you brought up the foam roller, if you have um, like, the, I think it's 36 inches, the one that's the longer one. And if you lay on it and open up your shoulders, OMG, like yeah, honestly. And, and that you lay that so that the roller, you're saying that the roller aligns with your spine? Yep, it goes down your spine. Or, yeah. mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Um, because one of the things we're doing um, actually in Many Happy Miles, this um, this uh, month is um, spending some time with our shoulders and opening up. Um, the other thing is we just posted on the um, AMR YouTube page two new foam rolling videos made by uh, Colleen Riddick-Losh, who is a trigger point master trainer. And she actually, so I, I asked her, we talked about this a lot before she did them. And I said, you know, I want the key moves for foam, for, for mother runners. And um, three of the moves, three out of the seven moves that she did are for the upper body, which is interesting. So, um, so you, she has your thoracic spine, which is your mid spine. She also has your pecs and your lats. So I definitely um, recommend checking those out and trying them because um, often that's, you know, your lower back, um, kind of the nerve central, but it's fed by all this tenseness and you're probably hunching towards the end of a long run. So thinking a lot about how your upper body um, kind of contributes to that equation will probably help a lot. I like this question. Um, as my kids get older, they sometimes begrudge my running. What do you guys do about that? Ooh, wow, as they get older, they begrudge they That's get... intriguing. Mm -hmm. Um, just give it some time because they're going to get so involved with video games and uh, <laughs> the internet. They won't even notice that you're gone. <laughs> exactly. Just let them have an Instagram account and they won't remember your name. Um, and I'm only half joking about that because <laughs> I do, I don't know. Um, I'm a little, uh, I, I mean, I guess one thing would be, let's say she's training and I'm sorry, her name again. Um, her name is uh, Emily McKay. Okay. So Emily, Emily, let's say Emily's training for a half marathon you know, kind of the sweet distance from other runners. If kind of like we oftentimes tell women if their um, partners or spouses are having trouble with the time that they're taking, that running is taking away from the family, just have a sit down with that person. Well, you can have a sit down with your kids, lay out your training plan. I mean, their eyes are going to glass over after a certain point. So maybe just make it very, the 30,000 foot view of it. But then also say, okay, well, let's plan some specific things. You know, I'm going to be running Saturday from 7 to 9 a.m. Oh, you know, there's that matinee of Into the Woods pl playing at your school. Let's go see that together. There's, you know, let's go to that new ice cream parlor that just opened up. Mm -hmm. So so planning those things and really putting those on the calendar and making them dates and letting them know how much you're looking forward to them, mm -hmm. even if it's a little... Um, over-enthusiastic. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say forced, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. that, you know, to, to say on, on Monday and Wednesday and Thursday night when you put them to bed, you know, how much you're looking forward to that. Maybe, you know, do you want to bring a friend along? You know, whatever it is, it's going to make it be fun for them. I would, think? I, think, I think that's perfect advice. I would also say they don't have to come to the race, right? I wouldn't, like, force anything running on them. You know, if you are training for a, a half marathon or if, if, if you are training for any race, make that be your own thing. You know, they don't have to come and celebrate with you. You can just go get your race done, either go with your girlfriends, go by yourself and, and head home. So, I mean, I, I don't think, I definitely would not um, alter my running because of them. But like mm -hmm. you said, I would try to integrate it more and explain it more um, because you know what they're going to, that's, you know, a lot of it is life. They're not going to have to, it's a life lesson. I also right. think that I, you know, because our job is, to run another mother runner, I think that my entire family and everyone around me must know how much running means to me and how much races mean to me and goals mean to me. But sometimes it's important to step back and tell people that mm -hmm. and say, you know, I'm running this half marathon and I'm, I'm looking to break 2.30. And I've done 2.40 and that's, yes, that that's 10 minutes. That's not seemingly not a lot of time, but it means a lot to me. And that I, you know, put it out there and t try and best you can to explain to them why it means something to you. Not that you're asking my advice, but I compare it to their goals too. You know, mm -hmm. they have something on the calendar that they're looking for. Well, you're working towards this goal. This is what I'm working towards. So yeah, if that's important to you, this is important to me. Mm -hmm. um, Kimberly Truesdale says, I spent most of the winter on the treadmill thanks to this ugly winter. Now that I'm back outside, I feel like I'm learning to run again. Is mm -hmm. this a real thing? Or am I trying to justify outside paces that don't match the treadmill? No, I'm in the thick of marathon training where everything feels blah. Yeah, I think um, you just have to 
this is a little bit of a fake it till you make it. You know, yeah. um, I think that the, the, the paces will come back to you, but um, it's very easy to get into a rut in the treadmill. And it's also very easy to get into the rut outside. Um, and outside has, um, you know, you might be encountering wind. You're obviously encountering, um, you know, pavement that doesn't look exactly like a treadmill and, and help you a little bit with some motion, some momentum forward. Um, and then hills and that kind of thing, if you're hitting the route. So, um, I would say if, if, if the pace is really bumming you out, I would, um, turn your watch to a different function if you need to wear it and, you know, maybe just put it on miles or maybe put it on heart rate or calories burned or something that isn't pace and just go get what you need to get done because marathon training, no matter whether you are, you know, a 220 marathoner or a 620 marathoner, there is a point in that training that is just like you said, blah. And that's probably where you are. And, um, it's really, you got to keep doing it, but in the end it's coming, but you got to just uh, hang in. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, not to sound like a Pollyanna, but I'd say try to see the joy in being outside. You know, the, the try to hear the birds and, see, you know, see if there's anything blooming and, um, you know, seeing other people, not being in a maybe a low ceiling basement that all you notice is the pile of laundry over there, you know. So, um, you know, and I don't know, but try to envision the race as you go along and maybe recruit a few friends. You know, you can't run with a friend on a treadmill, so. Well, you can. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, same treadmill, but side by side. The other thing, Kimberly, too, is great, is that this is hitting now, and you're not, the first time you're going to be running outside is not on race day. You know, so you get to, so just kind of think of it as like, okay, I did my training inside, now I'm heading outside, which is going to get even better, stronger for race day. Mm-hmm. Kind of a stepping stone in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Jill asks, or says, I am training for my first half marathon, a Lake Minnetonka half. Ooh, yay! That's my hometown. Or not Lake Minnetonka, is it? But near my hometown. She grew up in a gravel pit. (laughs) On May 4th. Oh, that's the day after my birthday. Oh, it's so exciting. There's so much going on. (laughs) Um, Having done one 10-mile previously, my question is fuel slash nutrition. Thus far, I have never ate anything in a run, rarely even have water. At what point do you start using goo or another fuel in training or racing? I hear so much about it, but I've never used it and don't know when it becomes necessary. Well, it becomes necessary typically when your workout goes longer than 45 to 60 minutes. And it sounds like maybe she's been cheating herself a little bit because I assume that her training has gone above that by this point for sure. And Wait, let me correct you. You don't need it. If you're doing a 45-minute workout or a 60-minute workout, if you don't need beyond go- if, you're go- if you're going longer than, than 60 minutes, I'd say 75 to 90. Well, point. I mean, if you're going if, – if, yeah. I should rephrase that, that, it, that if you're the 45 or 60 point of a longer effort. Yes, a longer yeah. effort, meaning yeah. over, sub, I mean, I would say, I say 75 to 90 minutes personally. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. And so, but I would assume still that her runs have gotten longer than that. At a 10 mile run. She said one 10 mile run previously. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. it depends on her pace. Um, so that you want to be taking in about 100 calories every four miles? Um, well, so there's so many different, I mean, so it, it really, so this is Sarah talking from her experience, which is awesome. Um, this, you know, there are so many theories out there from, you know, you don't need to fuel at all for a half marathon. If you, if you slice back 30 to 40 years from, from today, they were not, you mm-hmm. know, Catherine Switzer didn't eat or drink anything. Katie Snevice didn't do anything <laughs> during hers. Yeah. So, um, so, so it really depends on you. Right. And if you've gone 10 miles and if you come home and you feel like you are good and you don't, you know, you're not bonking at the end of your, if you know, if mile eight doesn't feel that much harder than mile two, you know, you might be okay. She might be running on fat, which is one of the things that we talk about being fat adapted runners. And we talked about that in um, Simply Nourish and Metabolic Reset. That said, you know, simple sources of sugar, especially when you're lagging, like, you know, Sarah said, um, you know, when you start to hit the it helps you, it can help you, um, with energy and keeping your motivation and your momentum going. Keeping the mind monkeys at bay. Keeping the mind monkeys at bay. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying there's, there is no right answer except for that. Whatever you want to do, Jill, you need to start practicing now Mm -hmm. because you've got about six weeks until race day. And so if you do think that you are going to want to try to use some fuel, if you do feel like, you know what? Mile eight was markedly harder than mile two. Mile nine was hard, was a pain, and mile ten I didn't think I was going to make it home. Then it's time to think about something like goo or chomps or 
matcha balls or, you know, Lara bar or whatever you want to try. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would try it now. I would try it on a, a long run this weekend. I would try it on the next run. Use them with hydration. You definitely want to be drinking when you take in those sugar calories. It's really um, even tougher on your stomach to take those in without any liquid. Um, hopefully water fountains are on where where you are. Um, there are many water fountains around Lake Minnesota. <laughs> okay, as far as <laughs> but what I remember. But if we're training, so you know, maybe fuel not belt. near there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wear a fuel belt, carry a handheld device. Um, so, but for me personally, what I do in a half marathon is I... Um, take in a goo at mile four, eight, uh, 10, and or 11, I guess, instead of 10. And then because even though you're only 2.1 miles from the finish line, it really can make that difference in having a strong finish and not having a strong finish. So, and what it does is the sugar gives your muscles something to work off of. They need glycogen and it's a simple, easy source to get that in there. Absolutely. And if she does find that she needs it, like you, you were saying, going back to calories, I mean, it matters more on for marathons, ultra marathons, Ironman, things, half Ironman, things that you're going to be going for four, five, six, seven hours or beyond. But um, two to 300 calories is a good, um, good, good, like thing to keep in your mind. A half marathon, again, it's not quite as, as vital because chances are you're going to be out there for between two and three hours and you might be okay. Um, with not being quite as diligent, but, um, but definitely you have to experiment with it first and above all. Yeah. And I also, I, I think it really is oftentimes the rare person who can get through a half marathon feeling strong the whole time without taking in any calories. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it, it can really make you feel that much more strong and capable. I could use some goo at the Cape Cod half marathon yep. again. <laughs> um, Sarah asks, how full is Hilton? It, it, we were just talking about that at lunch. We are slightly over halfway sold out mm -hmm. after just opening it up to the general public on Friday. We're recording this on Monday, and we opened it up to the Many Happy Miles people last Wednesday. So, you know, don't dilly-dally. Don't delay. Um, yeah. Vicki asks, I'm looking for an awesome marathon to run in 2020. It will be the second anniversary of me turning 25. <laughs> I love that the second anniversary yeah. of her turning 25 so and those are the only guidelines That's just it. an awesome uh, yeah oh, I think okay. head, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, so a marathon I gotta go with Twin Cities I mean I was gonna say Twin Cities is just such a nice it, it's the perfect storm of everything good there's a boatload of mother runners there including us it is a beautiful urban course beautiful. it is beautiful 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 Early October, so the weather has a good chance of being good and not too hot, not too cold. Um, great crowd support. Great crowd support. By, by people who know what people are doing on the course. They are, you get the sense that those people are experienced runners who are watching, and they are supportive and encouraging in just the right way. It's, it, yes, it is a party for them, but they understand what you're going through. It is incredibly well run. Um, we make incredibly cute merchandise to sell at the expo. <laughs> we usually speak at it. It's just, it's just great. And I mean, the Twin Cities is such a beautiful, welcoming, friendly city. And there's cities. enough, and there's enough runners there that you are never really by yourself, but it's not so overwhelming that, you know, there's something to be said for running a Chicago or running a New York or a Marine Corps, but, um, but there's space, right? There's space for you to move, but you don't feel like you're out there cities, yeah. at the Durango marathon, you know, <laughs> for miles and miles by yourself. Yeah. 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 Um, Laura asks, my question is, how can I start training for a half marathon? Is it possible to do it in eight weeks? Uh, depends. It depends upon where you're coming from, Laura. I mean, coming off the couch, um, eight weeks is going to be a stretch. Yes. Um, yes. I mean, it depends on what your base mileage is right now, Laura, that if, if you know, a long run for you these days is three miles, I would say eight weeks is going to really open yourself up to injury and burnout and really a tough race day. Just emotionally as well as physically. Whereas if you are banging out six, seven miles on the weekends or maybe, you know, in the middle of the week, whatever, I would say eight weeks, you could do a, you could ramp up to a half marathon um, and just set your finish goals accordingly. Yeah. I think that that's, yeah. I mean, it depends upon what you want out of it. Um, if you're going to, you know, prove to yourself that you can run a half marathon, personally, I would pick a different race and um, train really well for it. Um, the shortest training plan on the Train Like a Mother Club is 15 weeks for all levels, regardless of whether you want to run walk a half marathon or our hardest half marathon plan is crush it right now. And they're both 15 weeks, right? Because you need that time 
to get your body ready for the demands of all the training and getting strong enough to support all the miles, that kind of thing. So yeah. because also because on a since we have the video that uh, that in a typical training plan, it's you build up, you bring it back down, you build up, you bring it back down, and with eight weeks, you are just you'd be amping up, up, and then the taper and race stays there. Yeah. So yeah, and the other thing is if you're going, so if you're not, if you're going to prove to yourself that you can do it, that's one thing we've talked about. It. If you're going to go with a friend, you know, maybe there's a 10K or a 5K option that you could also do and celebrate with her at the end. Joy asks, SBS, where are you going to run in Denver? Oh, where am I going to run in Denver? Well, so I swam today. Tomorrow, the this Airbnb is right near the... City Park. City Park. Yeah, so the zoo. Right, near the zoo. Yep, they have a lot of 5Ks in City Park. Uh-huh. They have. It looks like they have a nice kind of cindery type track around yep. the outside of it. And yep. have a couple um, podcasts queued up. And I brought my knuckle light, so, because I wasn't sure when the sun would come up here. I'm not sure either. <laughs> <laughs> it's late it's with the time change. Seven. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Because yeah, I've made that mistake of not bringing lights with me when I go somewhere. And, hey, you know, when you travel, it's still dark in the morning. <laughs> Um, Linda asks, what are some tips for running her first Boston Marathon four weeks from today? Yay! But who's counting? Right. <laughs> um, be prepared to wait around at the start. You, that is, that, I mean, last year, I mean, I would think I was almost the toughest part of that race with that, with that dreadful weather they had, the rain they had last year. And I, the two times I ran it, it was quite hot, uh, do you want just, snacks before? Like, let's talk about the start. Do you want? Yeah. She should. Should she bring stuff to the start? Do you like a bagel, a banana? Like, oh, are there stuff there? No, there's no, nothing there. So no, you need to have be self sufficient yeah. at the start. Yes, and so I mean, and you know, it's the late start. Doesn't you know? Um, everyday runners don't start until close to eleven o'clock. So really, get in a good breakfast before you get on that shuttle out there. Um, pack one of those little. Uh, poncho, rain ponchos, pack it in your luggage to go to Boston. Hopefully you're not going to need it, but it's good to have it so that you could wear it at um, Athletes Village if you need to. Make friends with people. I met women when I ran 2012 Boston that I'm still pals with because I borrowed their I was going to say, glide. you shared body glide yeah, with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to, to gay outside of Chicago. Thank you. Um, so, um, yeah, and then... I really think, I mean, I know that Grant wants to go there and really bust a move. I really think it is the course to enjoy it and soak it up. And, I mean, the crowd support is just mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. It is just people, four, five, six people deep, cheering you on. You know, make sure you kiss at least one of the Wellesley girls. Find the good sign. (laughs) I didn't do it in 2012. I kissed, made up for it, and kissed two uh, Wellesley students in 2016. Um, so, yeah, just really enjoy it. It's such a beautiful course. Um, oh, the one thing, the good picture, you can get a great picture, right? Isn't that, isn't that the halfway point? The halfway point. They have is, a map. Yes, they have a map that has the blue and yellow Boston. Because we've seen pictures. I'm like, how do you get such a great finish line picture? And it's mm-hmm. actually the halfway point. Halfway point, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. get ready for that. Yeah, Christy told me that one. She had uh, run... Um, and I was like, how did you, you look so fresh. She's like, yeah, that's because it's the halfway point. And so, uh, definitely because they'll ha- they have, um, photographers up overhead. Okay. So yes. And also, you know, try to, you, you really want a good Boston race photo. So definitely think about getting yourself kind of in your own little zone, you know, get out from behind that person, you know, even if it means kind of doing a little sprint to get ahead of the cluster that you've kind of tucked in behind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, um, and, and. You know, definitely make friends at the Athletes Village because I know that I felt very um, kind of nervous and everything, and particularly in 2012, and just be gregarious and try to pal around with people. Enjoy it. Yeah. Joy asks, aside from your own books, what's your favorite book about running? Or what are your favorite books about running? I mean, I, I have a couple. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I love uh, Marathon Woman by Catherine Switzer. Oh, yeah, it's one answer. of my favorites. Yeah, favorites. Favorite. She's a great, you know, she obviously was the Boston, one of the Boston marathon pioneers. Um, also a huge commentator for ABC Sports um, and has a lot of uh, really, really good detail. Um, so that's a great book. Amelia, my daughter, is actually reading it right now. Oh, they have I to read that. a um, biography of someone who made a difference. Oh. 
Um, yeah. And she's like, Mom, do you know anyone? Oh, here, honey. I know, Here's my signed copy. <laughs> um, I love that book. I love um, what I talk about when I talk about I running say that. Uh-huh. by um, Murakami. I don't know how to say his first name. He's the Japanese author. Um, that's just a great, um, very more literary book about it, but just the way that he describes running and its effort. And, um, that's lovely. Um, what other books do I like about running? Uh, uh, I mean, Katie Arnold wrote a nice book that just came out last week, Running Home. Um, I have to say, I enjoy books more about rowing than I do about running. Am I allowed to admit that I love the boys in the boat and my, I adore, adore David Halberstam's The Amateurs. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great book. a fantastic book. Um, the other one that's fun, you know, it's been a little bit disproven a little bit, um, or there's, you know, reddits about it, whatever, but Born to Run by Christopher McDougall is pretty good. It's a, it's a good tale. It's a very well written. Oh, it's very well written. And so it's fun to, to read that whole story. Um. And so the other book that um, is in the Catherine Switzer slash rowing vein by another very, very good author, I think, is um, Swimming to Antarctica. Oh, yeah, by Lynn Cox. Lynn Cox, yes. So she um, is a long-distance swimmer. Um, You don't have to be a swimmer to kind of just enjoy her journeys and her... um, just her, the way that she puts words together is beautiful. She, I mean, some of her stories are excerpted in The New Yorker, so she's a super talented writer. So Lynn Cox. She, she has to, a new book coming out because she had a, a heart problem that she oh, had to okay. overcome. So, yeah. Um, my friend Elizabeth, who swum the English Channel, um, she was just telling me about that last weekend. Oh, yeah. I don't maybe know a podcast guy. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, I don't know the name of it, but yeah. Cindy asked the question, would you ever make a training plan to crush it for older mothers that have only three runs a week with two cycling days? So for older bones can still crush a marathon, but not have to run five days a week. Well, one thing that we, uh, I mean, why am I answering this? I'm no, not you in can't. charge of the yeah, training club, but uh, one thing we have talked about um, based on some suggestions of mother runners, like um, Susan Berg in Sacramento recommended that we do a 10 day training plan because there are some schools of thought that to stretch out that so you don't, so you have a long run every uh, 10 days instead of every uh, weekend. That's tough to fit in if you have a work schedule. So I think that's part of our reticence to put that forward. To do that. Yeah. Um, we can definitely think about it. The, the, hard, the thing that's hard about three days a week, that comes a lot. Like it's like the run less, run faster plans. And um, the demands on your body for that, because um, I, hear, I heard the word crush. She wants to crush it. Yeah. So that means that you are doing you know, long runs with probably some tempo or race pace in there. That means that you're probably doing some speed work and, um, and then maybe one easy run a week. And that is just, that is just a recipe for most of us for either burnout or injury. So, um, if you're interested in a plan, you know, we could definitely do a marathon three days a week plan. Um, and you could tweak it a little bit based on where you are and what you want to do. Um, it's just, you know, um, the, um, gosh, what's the word? Not consistency, but, um, focus on the training, right? You got to do, you got to do the thing that you want to do, right? So if you're running, if you're training for a a specificity, specificity, that's another, (laughs) lots of, lots of, uh, syllables. I couldn't remember it, but you know, if you're training for a trail race, you got to go run on the trails. If you're want to run a marathon, I mean, I even, yeah, I will think about it. How's that? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. That's a good one. Bammer Pammer asks, why is it 5,000 and 10,000 on a track, but 5K and 10K on the road? Well, now that's a stumped one. Bammer Um, Pammer. It's something about, you know, that's probably, uh, that's a a track and field term versus um, a road racing term is my guess. Yeah, that's something to look up. That's something to Google, honey. (laughs) Google that, honey. So uh, maybe, uh, is there one last question from the tribe? Because we're going gone long we are i mean there are so i many. feel maggie's arms must be getting sore <laughs> right? let's do let's do one two more okay yeah. so here's two more um devin from chicago oh, sorry erica from san diego mm. i'm gearing up for the encinitas half marathon on march 31st and then last week my husband and i decided to sign up for the grand teton half marathon teton teton sorry on june 1st i'm hoping to finish both so i was just curious on what i should do during those two months it's not long enough to start a complete new training plan so I'm not quite sure what I should be doing in between the races. So wait, so the dates again, March 31st? March and... 31st and June 1st. Oh, okay. Um, half on the 31st and then half on June 1st. So two half marathons, one on March 31st, which is about two or three weeks away, and a half again on June 1st. So that's probably about 
but that's about eight weeks after the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that that, um, you can definitely do that. It just depends upon what your goals are for each race. If you want to run fast, I would recommend, um, picking the one that's first, um, given that you're coming up into the training cycle, hopefully you've done a full training cycle leading up to the March 31st one and you can go and nail that and the weather will be cooler. Um, the Grand Teton, sounds um hilly to me (laughs) (laughs) one two three hilly yeah um so I think uh you know just going especially if you're gonna go run with your husband just go have a good time so in between that you want to want to take probably seven a week to two weeks off after your marathon in that like you can ride your bike you can spin your bike you can go for walks you can swim swim do the elliptical um you can maybe run a little bit just like you know after the first week run three or four miles, um, just super easy a couple times. And then I would just jump back into your training plan. Um, uh, so with like six weeks to go, say, um, so you're going to say if it's a 15 week plan, you're going to start at week nine and just go from there again. Um, but definitely include that taper again. So you have, so you build up a little bit and then you let your body recover and then you go race again. Mm-hmm. Particularly because uh, I believe she was from Chicago and if she's going to the Grand Tetons, I would assume that's probably at altitude too. So I think in terms of picking a goal, if you're going to try to go for a, a time goal, I would say that March 31st one because I think she said that was at the beach. So that tells me it's at sea level. I don't know. Yeah. Something about that. Um, speaking of sea level races, huh, do we know any places that are going to have a sea level race, Timothy? Yeah, we already talked about Hilton Head. I know, but we can always talk about Hilton Head again. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so thank you so much for Wait, joining. Wait, are we going to do two more questions? I no. want to do one more. You want to do one more? Okay. Yes, I do want to do one more. Okay. So Please. So this one is, goes along with fueling. Um, Susie follows the plan of fueling every 45 minutes. So every four to five miles, she's training for her fourth marathon. However, at the end of the marathon, her gut struggles. Like she doesn't feel good. She can't enjoy the finish line euphoria because she's frantically looking for a bathroom. Mm-hmm. Any recommendations other than getting speedier to decrease her fuel intake without jeopardizing her race? One thing that I know, I know that particularly in a marathon, it can get hard on your gut to have so much sugar pile into it. And so that I have found if I, if it's a race where I know people who are going to be along the race course, I ask somebody to bring me a bagel, a very bland bagel, um, not toasted, no cream cheese, (laughs) no, no no locks. And so I'm thinking about when I, the first time I qualified for Boston was in Portland and my friend Sharon was at about mile 1920 and she handed me a bagel and I just kind of worked it. Like I just would take a bite and then just work the bagel. I worked it, worked it, worked it. And so it just sort of, in my mind was like swallowing a carbohydrate sponge that would, they would help me. I mean, it, it, the bagel in and of itself is a carbohydrate, but also it would kind of absorb in my mind, kind of that slurpy soup, sugary soup that's down there in my belly. And also, I, I, I like a thing like uh, goo chews or a bagel, something like that, to have something to work on in my mouth. Because in a marathon, you know, you got a lot of time to think. You're in your head a lot. So, you know, just focus about on your chewing instead. Chewing, chewing, <laughs> chewing your, like a your cow, cud. Chewing yeah. your cud. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think that that's true. You can get super sugary. So I would stay away. I would also stay away from caffeinated things. That mm, definitely can set your advice. stomach. Yeah. Um, I would... Um, like either choose, um, you know, you don't too much Gatorade and goo or like sports drinks that has, that's, that are overly sweet, um, can definitely get you going there. Um, so like something like noon as you know, we, we love noon, um, a little bit lighter, a little bit, um, less upset stomach. Um, and then finally, yeah, like you talked about the bagel, I would also think about, um, maybe not having, um, like, you know, you could take Lara bars, you could take little energy bites, little do it yourself energy bites, you know, that you could kind of pack into those little pockets. Um, you know, anything that isn't as sweet, you know, because there is a time where you're just like, Oh, I cannot stand anymore. Um, and so, yeah, that's, I have to say on the, on that note, it reminds me of the new goo flavor that's out. It's called Hoppy trail and it is their tagline. I love it. It's bitter is better. And it is, it is, uh, has some citrus and it has hops flavor in it. It does not taste like beer. Mm. And, and I don't even like hoppy beers because, you know, I live in Portland, so I really know all about the different characteristics of beer. And it is so refreshing and just, it doesn't make me feel like I have to have a bunch of water after it. I, I mean, I do, and thankfully our water fountains are turned on in Portland, but it is, I just really like it. It's very refreshing. Good. I'm going to ask one more question. Okay. okay. I like this one too for me. 
Okay. Um, she's getting diving back into marathon training for a late summer, early fall race. I love to run. Um, I get so focused on those big numbers that I don't often make time to do other types of workouts like strength, mm-hmm. guilty, speed, hills, etc. Even though I know I should, I'd love some tips on how to incorporate different workouts into my runs without sacrificing miles. Thanks, ladies. Well, but sometimes That's Holly. You, well, Holly, sometimes you need to sacrifice a mile here, a mile there, to because the strength is so valuable. To your long-term longevity, is that redundant to say long-term that? Long-term longevity. Yeah. Uh, to, you can run a long time. Yeah. 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 Because so that so I mean I'm right there with Holly. I love putting in the miles. I just I adore being out there. And sometimes it's like, oh, okay, I'll cut it short, or I won't run on Thursdays. I'll go to bar class so that I can you know strengthen my quads and my glutes instead. So it's about making those choices so that you can be back out there time and time again because we like to look at the big picture and you want to be running when you're 40, 50, 60 and beyond. Yep. So making time for it, I mean, a couple things. Um, it sounds like, uh, you know, if you wanted to join a plan, the train like a mother plans have, you know, speed and some cross training built in um, or different workouts, hills, speed, like you mentioned, um, and strength. And if nothing else, um, just I from just on an individual basis, I, you have to do strength. You just have to because um, on an individual basis, that didn't make sense. But I plead with you as from mother runner to mother runner to do your strength. She's imploring you. Yes. Um, so what I would say is, you know, the biggest thing, you know, it is not fun. It is not necessarily, it doesn't give you the rush that running does. So, um, you know, I've been playing with it and playing with it kind of like you did with your bagel, you know, working it. Um, and what I figured out is doing um, 10 minutes a day, you know, most days a week is so much easier than doing, you know, one 50 minute session and forgetting the run altogether. So 10 to 20 minutes, go before your run, do it before your run, do the glute bridges, do the plank, do the, um, the one-legged, um, squats and the one-legged deadlifts and that kind of stuff to get your body warmed up. And then you can go out and run and be done. Right. And it feels really good. Actually, you feel very whole and very warmed up and kind of strong before you go out on a run. So that's what I would start with um, and see how that goes. But don't want to take away from your running, but we also want to keep you out there, like mm-hmm. Sarah said. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. We're wrapping All right. it. All right. Um, so we love. thank you for calling in for questions. The last time we asked for questions, we got a nice um, deluge of them. So keep those questions coming. Do you know the number off the top of your head? 480-1-800-BADASS-1. 72925. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're like, you're you're like, like Terry Gar in like after hours. My three year old niece. What's your phone number? 720 999 729, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, so 1 800 uh, or 800 badass 1. Whatever. 800 badass 1. Whatever that translates to. Whatever that translates to. Please make your questions uh, 90 seconds or less. Tell us your first name and where you are calling from. And if you, if, if suddenly you sneeze halfway through your, your voicemail or your kids suddenly yell or your dog barks, just hang up and call back without saying, hi, it's Sarah again. Just start from scratch because we don't edit, the, we don't edit the questions. So there's a higher probability that we will use your question if it is left in that format. So, and please keep the questions coming because we've always got the answers. <laughs> or we can talk about it. We can pretend like we do. Except for the 10K one. Don't ask those kind of questions. Thanks, you guys. See you soon. Yeah, bye-bye.